There is a passage in in Second Thessalonians, First Thessalonians. I'm sorry. Um, that made me that that got me to thinking about this prayer thing, and as I as I pulled out the the words in this, I found out that this adverb without ceasing occurs four times and always Paul is the only one that uses it in the New Testament and it's always in in prayer. In Romans 1, it's in verse 9, but I'll read verse 8. God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of the Son is my witness. How constantly I remember you in prayer, in my prayer at all times. And that means without ceasing. And I pray now at last by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. And this, this adverb starts with an alpha and the A in the Greek alphabet. And uh, it, it has, it's, it's a compound word meaning without ceasing, but it has, it has this A, and that A is also a part of our English usage. Uh, you medical people are familiar with the term aseptic, um, amoral. This means basically without, is what this, this alpha stands for in this word and in our, even in English. And this this means without stopping, without stopping stretching. This is this uh, the the rest of this word has um, the idea of stretching, of straining, and uh, so this is not straining in the wrong direction. But this is without stopping, without ceasing, and so he says, I. Remember you in my prayers at all times, which really would be better translated all the time. That brings me to this question, which is related to what I was talking about a minute ago. Uh, How are we going to do this praying without ceasing? Because the Bible really does say that. I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, King James translates it, pray without ceasing. And uh, so how are we going to do that? And I, I, I remember as, as a kid preacher thinking about that. And some of us who are Pentecostals say, well, you can just pray in tongues all the time. But you really can't. You have to, you have to concentrate on certain things. Uh, you have to speak in English every once in a while. By the way, if you ever want to sing in tongues... In public, in a public place, go ahead and do it. Somebody says, what was that? Say, oh, that's a song my father taught me. <laughs> gotcha. But, it, but it, you can do that. And uh, a few years ago, it was kind of a big deal that we would sing in, in the spirit, sing in tongues a lot. So that's, that's a very good practice. And rather than Speaking in tongues in public, if you feel like you need to pray in tongues in Walmart, put a melody on it, or put it on a melody, perhaps would be the correct way to say that. And then if you get stopped, well, you can give that little 
disclaimer. Probably get you off the hook. Um, but this pray without ceasing uh, is then the the other three times after the Romans occurrence is in the first first Thessalonian letter chapter one verse three. We continually remember before our God and Father your work and so forth and so forth, and that means we we pray without ceasing continually before the Lord. In the second chapter, verse 13 says, and we also thank God continually because you receive the word of God and so forth. Um, this obviously, and I, I, I don't want to do some kind of damage to scripture here, but it obviously has a rhetorical edge to it because Paul also spoke Hebrew occasionally. He also spoke uh, Aramaic occasionally. He spoke Greek when necessary, and he spoke in tongues more than the whole Corinthian church, it seems, and they were hard to catch up to. And so we know that he didn't pray for this church 24-7, but he prayed often, as it were, all the time for them and gave thanks for them continually. And then we get to the fifth chapter where we find this pray without ceasing. And I'll read three verses here, uh, beginning with verse 15. Be joyful always, pray continually, which is pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now that brings me back to where we were a few minutes ago. And when we talk about we talk about who we are and what we are in God, we understand that we are dead in trespasses and sins. Uh, actually, when you're brought into the world, although you, you, uh, the Lord takes care of, of little people, and it's very clear in Scripture that He does so, but when you, be, when you become accountable and know that you're doing wrong instead of right, your spirit is not alive. You are dead in the, the sinfulness. Now, trespasses in that usage has to do with the, the state of being sinful. Sins has to do with acts of sin. So we are dead both ways. And the Holy Spirit comes in when we are born again and this is, this is the uh, hassle that people who don't want to speak in tongues give the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, you get the Spirit when you're, you're born again. You absolutely do. You don't get the baptism in the Spirit, but the Holy Spirit comes in and makes you alive, becomes one with your spirit, and you are alive in Christ Jesus. We're not taught that very, very clearly, and so a lot of times we don't know what happens. We know it's better. We know something changed. We pray, you know, we, we can testify. But the fact is that the God of the universe has established a center, if you will, in you. You are not God, but he has a throne in you. He has a chair. He is supposed to be at the head of uh, this conference table right here. And I have a, I have a PhD friend, PhD in 
counseling psychology, and his, his question all the way through, he's a minister also, and his question all the way through was, where does the kingdom of God impact the brain? He assumed that, that it happens in the skull, and he never could find the place, the physical place, and he never has. He's still living, and he's still a wonderful minister and helper, but uh, that was a question that never did get answered, and I don't, because spirit is invisible, so we, we have in us then the power of God and we are made alive. And if you want to just lighten your moment and lighten your load, it, this might work for you like it does for me. I can, I can just start on this trip. Lord, I was so lost. I was so far from you. I was dead in trespasses and sins. And Jesus came and he got me. And he came into me, and he has changed me. And as, as rude as my lifestyle is sometimes compared to his, I'm not the same person. And it's your fault, God, and I thank you. And you, you can move then into maybe a little lighter moment. If you get really weighed down, that's, that's one of the ways that I can just deal with when, when depression or discouragement or whatever comes along and starts pushing me down. So here we are now, the Holy Spirit lives here, okay? And Jesus described that when, when life then is needed for those in need, he stood in the temple and uh, on the feast day, I'm not sure he was in the temple, but it was on the feast day, uh, the greatest day of that, of that festival, and said, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Out of your innermost being. Now that's this, and then in the King James, I don't remember how it goes in the NIV, but the, this he spake concerning the Holy Spirit, which had not yet been given, the scripture goes on to explain. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So when we then are baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you have been born again, you can die and go straight to heaven. You can stand before God because your sins are cleansed and there is no sin left when the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. And you love my, I'm sure you love my little, my little twist in there where I say, what is it about all that you don't understand. All sin. Hallelujah. And those of us who have suffered a lot from guilt, and we know about our sin, and we play those sins over and over and over again in our minds, that can help. That, that can lift the load. That can lighten the mind. But Jesus, to those people who had been born again and were spiritually alive and were, were prepared to stand justified in the presence of God Almighty. Those people, he said, don't leave Jerusalem. They were from up north, about 90 miles up the way. Don't go home. Stay here until you are baptized in the Holy Spirit is, is the message. That is because we are not just saved to be saved from hell. Boy, that's good. We are good. To, I mean... Sign me up if this is to be saved from hell. I don't want to go to hell. Hello. But, there, but I'm not dead yet, and I'd really like to be worth something in the meantime. And it is God's will that we do this 
So here is the point. The Holy Spirit comes in and flows out like a river. And when we begin to get a grasp of that, we will begin to expect change when we speak the will of God. Your will is not worth a flip, whatever that is. But if you're speaking the will of God, that's eternal, hon. He doesn't change his mind that his will is here to stay. It is not his will that any perish, but that all his will is that all come to repentance. That's his will. Jesus demonstrated the will of the Father when it came to when it came to physical healing. And I haven't gotten there yet, but I want to be there. He, Jesus just healed all of them. Now, the faith of the crowd affected the big miracles. So when he went home to Nazareth, they rejected him. We know you. You're nobody. And so the Scripture says he could not do many mighty miracles because of their unbelief. So unbelief affects things. Faith affects things. And then the scripture adds this little thing, except he put his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And I, I've, I have so many times said, hey, I'm good with that. You know, your kid's sick. Just go ahead and do the Jesus thing. And that's where I want us to be. Is there some reason we can't go there? Is there some sin that God can't help you with or something in your life that this can't happen in you? You say, well, you don't know how I'm living. Well, let's, let's begin to work it out and get this turned over to the Lord and get in line with his will. How long are you going to do that? I grew up in a house where a preacher lived. Actually, two preachers lived there, but one of them was a pastor, and he worried about the flock. He wanted to speak to the flock. The other preacher was an evangelist and wanted to get lost people saved. But this pastor person, I've heard him say more than once, what do you mean you don't pray enough? Why don't you pray enough? Get out of bed and pray. Now that is so simple. Now, some of us pray just enough so that we're, you know, our conscience is sort of soothed, and if the kid gets sick, we think we're about halfway right with God so we can pray. I'm talking about us legalists now. You, you'll recognize the legalism all the way through this. But we hold on to that little bit that I'm not quite there, and then I don't have to quite be there. And I want us to get over that. Let's go there. Where is there? Just meet the Lord. You need a time in the Scripture. You need a time in prayer. I don't think you have to pray uh, two, three, four hours at the first of the day or at the last of the day or all through. I don't, 
I think the Lord will show you, and I think it will change from time to time in your life. Um, it's real hard for me to get excited about really early in the morning meetings somewhere because that's the time that I meet the Lord. And I want that. And when I do that, I, I can't say, well, I don't pray enough. If I'm not praying enough, let's go pray somewhere and, and meet the Lord and get caught up on whatever this is we're behind. Does it make sense to you? I mean, this is about as complicated as two plus two, as long as you come up with four. We, we, have, we have it, gang. We have the power of God. The, the, the spirit that brooded on the face of the earth and created everything that we see and know, including humankind, that spirit lives in us. And I wish it were true, but he doesn't live more in preachers than in non-clergy. We, we have different standards. Clergy have different standards. The scripture sets a, and I, I was telling this, I was explaining this one time to years and years ago, and one of our gals said, that's a double standard. And I said, you got it. But that's for leaders. That's not for the spiritual expectation, what God expects from you. Now, for me, he expects 100%. We agree on that. Give it all you got, preacher. 100%. No holding back. No, no, no little reservation for the flesh. Lay it all out with the Lord. 100%. But it's okay for you to give what percent? Well, the preacher's going to argue with you if you're not saying 100%. Because you can't prove from Scripture that I know of that you get a dispensation where you don't have to give your whole life to Jesus. You say, well, I've given my whole life to Jesus. Okay, that's 100%. Hold, W-H-O-L-E equals 100%. Well, well, and the problem is we don't see out of ourselves what we want. That's one of the problems. Another problem is that sometimes we feel anything but holy. I'm driving along the street speaking in tongues, praying in the Spirit. I can do that in my car. It's okay. Try not to move my lips too much if people can see me, but, you know, <laughs> I guess I could, I could do this and they'd think I'm singing. But uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I could. But anyway, here's, here's the point. We have this, this thing in us, this power of God, this Spirit of the Lord, God Almighty, the creator of the universe, lives in these clay vessels, these earthenware vessels, to give away to the world. And if we do it, their needs will be met. If we don't, they'll just have to do the best they can, and we can encourage them. Some of us are really good with words. I'm one of those that can encourage sometimes, you know, if you want me to talk to you, tell me your problems and give me a minute. Now, this will just start coming out of me. But 
my words, unless, that's, unless that is the Holy Spirit in that situation, my words are not what we need. We just need the power so that we go over to the brokenhearted, and they don't want your words really because, they, you know, they've read everything and it, their heart's broken, whether it's from a death or some social catastrophe in their life or whatever. And they just, they just need the, our presence and the love of the Lord. And if, they're, if it's appropriate, you can sit where your shoulder can just kind of be up against them and just touch them in the name of the Lord Jesus and don't say anything. When you leave, it won't be the same. And so let me, let me see if I can wrap this up. Why are we here? For what reason do we live? Why do you have an excuse to take up space on the planet and oxygen out of the air? and water out of the aquifers, etc. Because you are on a divine mission. And until you came to Jesus Christ, you had the right because God gave it to you to live and, and breathe and do all this stuff. But when you came to Jesus, you then got an assignment. And that is so excited. You weren't saved by these good works, but you were saved to do them. And that is, that is so remarkable. Now, dear one, you may get tired of hearing this. If you do, do this, please. Lord, help me. Pray for yourself. Help me to get it so that he can stop saying this to us. Is your home life where this just doesn't make any sense? If you only knew where I lived, you wouldn't preach like that. And I care very much the pain you're in and whatever you're suffering. But let me tell you that the the power of God is greater greater than the chaos at the house. And boy, sometimes it's bad. I, I respect that. But I'm not going to give. I had an experience a few days ago actually months now, um, where somebody I love deeply was wounded in such a way that it was pretty complicated. Pretty complicated. Well, as a member of this congregation, and, and this, this person is, is loved by me a whole bunch, and so I, you know, I expressed a little faith and a little encouragement and certainly patience. I thought I was just being extremely patient and low-key, and and they didn't move very much forward toward the Lord, toward healing. This was going to involve some forgiveness, and it was, it was complicated, folks. It's hard. This was a hard one. So I... I, tr- I tried to do what I could, and it wasn't always well received. But we had the relationship, so that the, the relation, the friendship remained. The friendship survived. <laughs> and you know what? 
in the last month, the last 30 days. This person has gotten up out of that. And I, it's, it's wonderful to see. So I, I give you that. But the point I wanted to get out of it is this. I would stand toe-to-toe with that person and argue with them that you're going to have to you're going to have to do xyz because if you don't you'll become filled with bitterness and bitterness ultimately will take you out it will ultimately take you out it's hard to lose your salvation but the scripture speaks in several places about your name being removed from the lamb's book of life and if that doesn't mean what it says i don't know what it means The book of life is where you want it. The Lamb's book is the one, and he makes it powerful enough in his work to get us into the book. And I was not going to stand by and let that person do that. If I had to lose the friendship, I'd just lose the friendship because ultimately they had to come to where they are. Well, the Holy Spirit, they're godly people. It was just, it was a hard one. But God is able. God is able. And your place may be as hard as theirs. Uh. Don't, please don't be impressed with, with your problems. Be impressed with the power of God. Amen. Let's, let's stand together. And I want, I want to get you to make, a, uh, to make a point tonight in your prayer to say, God, I am going to pray without ceasing in the sense that I am going to be what I ought to be all the time. And I'm going to move into that, whatever pastor's trying to get over to us. I'm not sure I understand it from the way he taught it, but I want it. I think I want it. May I have it? Yes, you may. God bless you as you come and pray.